Hello. Audio Hel- test. Hello, Robert. Hello, Adam. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Oh, sorry. That's that. Oh, this is Green Bucket with Adam and Rob. Learn about movies whilst we get in your job. TV and games and other stuff too. We're going to share all this with you. Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 33 of the Stream Bucket Podcast. And we are all podcasts now. Yes, we are. Indeed. You would have seen our announcement, hopefully. Uh, But yes, Stream Bucket is flying solo now. Yes, uh, we wonderfully love and send... What? Yes, we send all of our love to North Arts FM and thank you for the amazing opportunities that they have given us. But we are spreading our wings. Well, it's going well, isn't it? It is going well. Because you're dying. I'm dying. I've had a two-week illness, um, which has now culminated in a chest infection. Uh, it's a self-diagnosis. Yeah, of course, because, yeah. Um, well, we've had lots of drinking. We started with the staff party, our staff Christmas party, drinking. Yes, then we had yes. Seattle and the Sniffers last week. Yes, yes, yes. And then I was pulled out with some old school friends and added to it. And now whatever pit of green and yellow sludge <laughs> has now turned into... A weird hell in the bottom of my lungs. A sticky spider's shelobs layer of pus oh, and phlegm gross. and filth. Thank you. Sorry if you're uh, if you're eating. Uh, that's what's going on in the bottom of my lungs. <laughs> and they won't and it doesn't come up, it's stuck there. So It's yeah. in, it's giving you some sort of power of soliloquy and mm. monologue. Yes. Do you think Shakespeare just had a really bad chest infection? His time was a time of festering. It's true, it is true. I mean, they're surrounded by all of the plagues. And um, the Thames stunk, London stunk. Yeah, Everyone yeah. was covered in boils. So naturally, one would find a love. Naturally, <laughs> one would find a love for pussy things and yeah. be able to talk about them. I guess so, yeah. It was the festering of the lung that caused... <laughs> Mac- <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, don't God. Me, don't make me laugh. <laughs> Oh, God. Right. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, so welcome to the brand new Stream Bucket. We're going to keep things as normal as possible for the time being. The new year will see changes. We will transist. Trans. We will transist the radio trans- to the podcast. Mute. Trans. Metamorphosize. That's the word. Yes. Yeah. We'll have the chrysalis of Christmas. Christmas, 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 but lots of chat and silly things in between. Absolutely, and all of your lovely movie talk. You will learn, you will not learn. God. <laughs> there are two things that we will bring to you. Ah, okay, good. Right. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> what have we got on the show today, Adam? Well, last time we had a debate cool. about which of the Home Alones was the best one. Ah, mm. and we've since gone and watched both of them. Yeah, so I had no point of reference to join in that debate because it's probably been about 20 years since I saw either. But now I'm all up to date. Ah. And I have opinions to share. So do I. So mm. do I. So yes, we've got that. We've got some film quiz things. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we got some reviews as well, including Black Christmas. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Well, it might be good. We'll see in the review. But this is a remake of one of my favourite, not only my favourite Christmas film, but one of my favourite horror films as well. I'm going to go out on a limb mm. and say that it's going to suck donkey <laughs> balls. Yes, maybe. But, I'm making no judgment now. Yeah. You shall okay. hear the judgment later. Okay, okay. Yes. But I also saw uh, Knives Out, but it feels so long ago now. I'm not going to Oh my god, Ni- Knives Out was like another lifetime. Yeah, it really was. It would have gone on the radio show last time, but it's too far away now. So Knives Out, you saw it with me. Uh, Not perfect. Um, I fell asleep for five minutes. Oh, God. I think it was because I was tired, but it was very enjoyable. Yeah. I, I think the act, some of the actors were not utilised to their full potential. No, Tony Collette especially. Yeah. She's sort of... She, to be fair, though, she has more going on than some of the other characters. Yeah. But she's, she's a fantastic actress. She barely did anything. She could have been any actor. Yeah. She, yeah. She, well, she's a fantastic actress. And she... Yeah, she did get a lot more action than um, Thingy... Oh, he's making a sort of Halloween naughty funny. gesture. Halloween. <laughs> What's her bloody name? See, this is a chest infection. It's not my. It's not my film expertise. Sorry, it's not my film expertise. It's my stupid. So I don't want to. I don't want to help you now. You're gonna because... Google it because you've been an ass. You've been an ass. What's a stupid ass name? Where are you? No, <laughs> oh, this is just the season of Halloween. It doesn't come up with the film when you type in Halloween. It just comes up the season. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> cast, cast, cast. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee How Curtis. How the hell did I forget? <laughs> well, I do not belong in this podcast. Anyway, she was not utilised. No, she barely did anything. She's very monotone. No. Je- Overall, though, it was is a cosy mystery film. Yeah. But it just wasn't funny or weird or dark enough. Yes. Like, if it was one of those things, yes, it would have been much better. Indeed. It reminded me of uh, One sh- uh, Shot in the Dark, which is the Pink Panther film, right. which is, on the surface, very similar. Rich house, weird thing happened, lots of different relationships going on. Uh, but that, that was funny, and that was a story that the Pink Panther element was added afterwards Clues, they just dropped Clouseau in right do what you want and they made it in a very silly film but yes mm. so have you been watching or doing anything uh, else well I, would, I watched I, Tonya um, last night or the night before oh yes I thought it was so bloody good and I'd never heard of this Tonya Tonya Harding Tonya yeah. Harding I'd never heard of her I'd never heard of the story what a scandalous turn of events what a bunch what wonderfully dim-witted characters. Uh, the the fat guy. I hate... The bad descriptor, but that's what he is. Yeah. Just a obnoxious, lying toad of a man. Who is almost lying to himself about his ability as a... <laughs> as a... As a spy? As a FBI, CIA-trained sleeper agent. Sort yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. Um, and in the end credits as well, you, I don't think you missed it, but the... The real dude. They show the real dude. They show the actual interview that they mock up. And, oh my god! He's, he's he's that guy. He's exactly right. Wow. Exactly right. I did, I just found it so sad that you had this incredibly talented 
I mean, it's said in the film, she was the best ice skater in the world for like three months. And then as a result of people who've been bullying her her whole life getting involved. Yeah. She lost it all. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She boxed for a while. Yeah, she... Well, in real life... It's a bit more dubious. Yes, it's a bit more... Her part in the situation, the event that occurred, is a bit more suspicious. Uh, right, okay. That makes sense. But the film does definitely portray that she didn't know what was going on. No. People around her were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes, it's a, it's a wonderful film. I reviewed it on here, on Stream Bucket, and yeah, I remember really enjoying it. That was great. Margot Robbie's incredible. Oh, she's just a fantastic actress. She's amazing. Yeah. Like, you could argue that she was initially cast for her looks, but she's gone beyond that, because she's, she's not cast for her looks in Tonya. No, 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 not at all. No. It, there's one scene when she's trying to put her makeup on and just breaking down in tears. Mm. Ugh. That's savage, that oh, scene. absolutely. There's, a, there's like a weird delicateness to her, despite being tough. Because she shows her getting the living crap kicked out of her by her yeah. husband so much. But she's got this blasé approach to it. Well, she gives... As, she gives as good as yeah, she gets. Yeah. She tries to shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good film. Good. Fascinating Eye-opening film. Oh, yeah, I'd like to watch more of those movies of uh, never heard a story, want to learn about something insane that's happened. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Screen bucket. So, okay, well, what film then? Do you have any things that you would like to see expanded, adapted into a film? No, I don't have a clue. No, you have none. Yeah, I was thinking about the question. <laughs> I said, I put, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, I posed to Adam earlier a topic where I said, is there a story that you can think of that has not yet been told on the big screen? And you have one. I have one, yes. Yeah. It came up today, in fact. Right. I read it on BBC News. It's very current. The mm. tragic London Bridge attack that happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's been coming out now about the the members of the public who fought back and took this guy down before the police arrived. One of them, John Crilly, uh, was a convicted murderer. Well, he was convicted of murder. Some right. gang-related thing. But while he was in prison, he uh, got a law degree. Then there was a change in the interpretation of the law by the Supreme Court, which meant he was no longer valid for murder, so he got released. Right. And when he got released, the family of the person who died beforehand uh, was very sad about it, very angry and disappointed in the justice system. And now, while he was attending a graduate event at London Bridge, he fought off a bloody terrorist. With a fire extinguisher. With a fire extinguisher. Held the guy down, thinking he had a suicide belt on, was challenging the guy to go off because he didn't want anyone else to die. He was willing to give up his life to save other people. That's that's a story arc. It's bravery, in a, yeah, it's insane. It's, uh, it's mental. I mean, the only thing is with stuff like that is you have the, you run the risk of being reactive to a tragedy. So uh, after nine eleven, there were loads of films around nine eleven, right? That were it's... mostly just bad. There what was the one where. Nicholas Cage was a firefighter mm. and he got stuck in the building. Yeah. But well, that one was all right because it didn't really get into anything. Wasn't that the one where God talks to him, though? Oh, maybe. 
I can't remember that. There was a film with firefighters where it got all Christian. Oh, no. It was a bit like... Ugh. It felt a bit murky. Well, the, the Nicolas Cage one was good because it was just... It wasn't... It didn't get political. It was just about the heroics right, of okay. the firefighters. Was, right, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, maybe there was a god involved. There was something like that in one of them. Mm. There was also one that was really weird. It was like a... It was like a rom-com, teenage romance film. Right. And then... Let me. I can't remember what it's called, but and then uh, one of the characters, I think the guy, the boy in it, the love interest, he goes to his dad's office or something, and then he gets hit by a plane. Whoa! It was in the World Trade Center, and that's how it ends. Oh, really? Yeah, awful. Ooh, like it was gee, really hmm. bad taste. Like what? Oh, come on, ladies, that. Yeah, so that yeah, tragedies run the risk of being adapted weirdly. But that's an interesting story. That if they wish, if you wish someone who gets killed didn't die, yeah, you get that trigger effect, that that butterfly effect. If the guy who died didn't, mm. this guy wouldn't have gone to prison. Yeah, he wouldn't have got a law degree. He wouldn't have been in the room. And Hundreds he... more people could have been injured. Yeah, that's true. And so, yeah, that's an interesting thing. That just I was thinking about this today. Like, yeah, that's quite, that's quite a deep and heavy story. That all had to happen for him to be there to fight off that terrorist. Yeah, along with the guy of the narwhal tusk. Who uh, I mean, hero. Yeah, narwhal tusk might be the best weapon ever. I the, there was so many uh, like there was a one post. This American politician douchebag was like, this attack on London Bridge wouldn't have happened. If the British people were armed with oh, guns. Yeah. Oh. oh, no, it wouldn't because he'd have had a gun and he'd have killed hundreds of people. Yeah. A. And B, we don't need guns when we've got narwhal tusks. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe we need to move off of this for the fun and lighthearted festive podcast. But it does reflect, interestingly, on the British public that mm. they would just, let's just beat this guy up. Yeah. It's perfect. And well, the one a couple of years ago, oh, Millwall. Yeah. I mean, hero. And then there was the guy who kicked a terrorist so hard in the balls that he died. <laughs> He's a Scottish guy. Like, to disable the terrorist, he just ran up to him and just <laughs> smashed him in the balls. Yeah, I mean, yeah, interesting. This is it. Get, like, horrible <laughs> hooliganism is how we will fight terrorism. And narwhal tusks. And narwhal tusks. fire extinguishers. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, right, yes. Let's, uh, let's take a break from that. Yes, yes, yes. And come back in a bit. Cool. Adam's Film Reviews. Black Christmas 2019. Enjoy your winter breaks and Merry Christmas. Sup, ladies. Excited for tonight? It is our last day of our last fall semester of college ever. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jump, 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 jump. Jingle bells ring and jingle bells ring. Can you take a photo of all of us? Of course. Where's Helena? She was tying back a sodas earlier, but she looked really good. Cheese. We shouldn't have let her go back by herself. She's fine. Come on, live a little. Helen hasn't gotten home yet. If I were missing, I'd want you to unleash the bloodhounds and track me down. She was at DKO last night. 
Still creating problems, huh, right? Hello? Hello? I'm worried that something bad happened. It's winter break. Could just be a delay of some sort. Snow. My friend is missing. Nine times out of ten, the girl's just with a boyfriend. I will bring you to your knees. Black Christmas is the 2019 remake of the classic 1974 festive slasher film Black Christmas. I say remake, shameless cash-grabbing title stealer might be a more appropriate title. But more on that later. Directed and co-written by Sophia Takao, Black Christmas was produced by teenage horror specialists Blumhouse Productions and introduces us to Hawthorne College, an exclusive and privileged American university slowing down for the holidays. Here we meet Riley Stone and her sorority sisters Chris, Marty, Jessie and Helena, still reeling from her out-and-out rape at the hands of one of the toxic frat boys, a fact we're reminded of every third minute. Riley is stealing herself for the night to come. See, the frat boys are hosting a talent show at their fraternity house, and the sorority sisters have decided to put together a dance routine designed to humiliate and stick a middle finger up to the frat boys and their disgusting behaviour. Before the show starts, Riley witnesses an odd ritual taking place at the fraternity house. A group of cloaked men gathered around a stone bust of the college founder, its eyes bleeding black, inky stuff. After the show predictably enrages the frat boys, Riley begins to receive angry and cryptic messages on her phone, seemingly from the founder of the college. Before she can respond, however, she learns that Helena, who everyone assumed had gone home for the holidays, has gone missing. With campus security dismissing Helena's disappearance, Riley learns from her suspicious and creepy college tutor that the video for their performance has gone online. And suddenly, everything changes. When Marty's nice guy boyfriend begins complaining of a migraine, then goes all evil, we're barely allowed a moment to use this information before a bow-wielding cultist appears and starts shooting everybody. In no time at all, the film turns its head and Riley, Chris and Marty are immediately plunged into a fight to the death against several cloak-wearing, mask-covered cultists trying to kill them. After taking one down, Riley recognises the killer as a pledge she saw in the fraternity house. Because, oh my god, it turns out that the frat boys are literally being possessed by toxic masculinity and want to kill all the women who won't do as they're told. Turns out, they were possessed by the black goo coming out of the bust, and would you Adam and Eve it, the creepy suspicious teacher is only their ringleader. Black Christmas is to storytelling as a sledgehammer is to a drawing pin. Everything is surface level, every single little detail is spelled out to the audience. Ever heard of Show Don't Tell? We are literally told every single thing our main cast are feeling from the very beginning. Did you know Riley was raped? Why don't we tell you another 20 times before we can make it an interesting reveal while the sisters are on stage? What's more, the script is so full of buzzwords that it feels like a computer was tasked to write the script having first analysed the complete back catalogue of Tumblr. I understand that writer-director Sophia Takao set out to remake Black Christmas and picked up on the subtext of the danger of men still lurking in the shadows. Okay, fine. Want to make it about women standing up against misogyny? I mean... That's kind of already there in the 45 original, but sure, none of this is an issue. The issue I have with Black Christmas is that it had no shades of intrigue, no subtlety. Nothing that left you walking away thinking about the message. 
It is a horror movie that cares more for its buzzwords than its genre and forgot about putting in the second act. Visually, Black Christmas looks great and for what it's worth, the performances were all without fault. The sad thing is the filmmakers clearly know their 70s horror well, with a surprising little nod to The Exorcist 3, also known as the best horror sequence in cinema history. In fact, it felt more like an Exorcist remake than Black Christmas. Frat boys in cults is cliché. Do something else. Can I recommend Black Christmas? Nope. This might be the first film I've seen in the cinema that I've wanted to walk out of since Epic Movie. And it isn't because of the message. Truthfully, it was the tedious exposition and the greatest sin of all. Slow motion fight scenes with dramatic music. If you want to watch young women fight against toxic masculinity in a contemporary setting, go and watch Assassination Nation. It has the same idea, with the single added point of being good. Hell, go and watch the original 1974 Black Christmas. It already has everything there. Bitch, you messed with the wrong sisters. Adam. Yes. Uh, an idea. Yes. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose a film, and it's not it's gonna be a not Christmas film, and then you're gonna make it Christmassy. I'm gonna make it Christmassy. Yeah. You're gonna tell me how it become Christmassy. The most anti-Christmas person. Yes. Okay. Here you go. All right. Men in Black. Oh, Men in Black. Yeah. So you got your big slug dude crashes down on Earth in the farm. And takes a oh, so you want me to take the actual plot of the actual film? Take the Men in Black... Rather than a sequel or whatever. You make... The premise of Men in Black is there. So you've got Jay... Because I was going to say, Men in Black... Right. A, something crash lands in Lapland. Okay. All right, no, this is... Yeah, this is better. Okay, go on. Yeah, so they don't know what it is. It, it goes through the perimeter fence of Earth or whatever. The Men in Black are sent right. to investigate... Okay. And they find like this this palace of crystal and ice. Right. They get the big shiny guns out. They walk up to it, and little little green creatures run at them. Ooh. And they shoot them all. Oh. Explode into goo. Right. When they go, they go keep going in, and they find on the throne of gift wrapping the Santatron. Is it a robot or an alien? It's the survival Cyborg. life pod. All right. Right. And then it... The hatch opens. Santa. Oh! It's Santa! Santa's an alien. Santa's an alien. He's an alien the whole time. And they've been trying to get him because he keeps turning up, doing a day, and then leaving again. All right. Right. And did it, all the aliens, I take it, were elves? They were the elves, yeah. They were all dead. They're all dead. Right. But it's, it doesn't matter, because Santa can bring them back. They'll okay. come back. Yeah, there you go. All right, that was brilliant. Fair enough. And then, and because he's in the life pod, he's got some terminal illness. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he to get the cure, he needs to give a galaxy... No, a DNA helix thing Right. back to another alien species that hold the cure for his life-threatening disease. But, oh, he's only gone and put it in a present for a kid. Oh! How are they going to find that? Well, they have to track him down. They have to use the sleigh and go backwards 
and do the last Christmas backwards. I have to get all the presents to find the helix of the DNA strip. What if the thing, what if the DNA, what if the present was left in a present of an alien planet, an alien child? No, no, it only comes to Earth. Every every planet has their own version of Santa. Okay, all right. And they know that the human Santa has the DNA helix. Okay. DNA helix Mm. of baby Jesus. And that's how they will bring peace and joy to the earth once again. And the film ends with the nativity, but they're being guarded by men in black with guns. And then it zooms out and there's planets and galaxies and giants playing with a thing. (laughs) Yeah, okay. You're welcome. Very good. Off the top of my head. (coughs) Oh dear. Yeah, fantastic. Right, so, okay. You are going to make the premise or the setting of... Mm, Mad Max. Mad Max. Yes. All right. Uh, sequel to Fury Road. Make that Christmassy. Fury Road. Max is trudging through the desert. He's limping. His leg is bleeding. He's pulling behind him stumpy one-armed Charlize Theron on a sack. <laughs> okay. She's dying, but she's got a fever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the distance, you see smoky horizon. And you realise you can hear engines coming towards poor Max and Stumpy Chili's Ferron. Mm. Um, it's obviously a row of bastard men. Okay. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, they they're coming. Uh, the mother's milk people. Um, there some have lived, and um, they're after Max. They want vengeance because their very way of life has been questioned. Okay. Yeah. They're yeah, yeah. still loyal to the cause of the mother's milk and the water being addictive and all that stuff. yeah 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 so they're coming towards them they're getting closer and closer poor old Max he's getting tired his limp is getting worse he's bleeding everywhere yeah and all of a sudden a little little reindeer comes trotting along <laughs> it's Prancer did you ever see the movie Prancer no alright Prancer has been detached from Santa's sleigh and Santa can't fly without him so okay Max <laughs> Gets on Prancer uh-huh. and ties Chalice, Stumpy Chalice, Charisse Chalice, to the back of the deer. Yep. And they ride off around a mountain and um, they find Santa. Okay. Jesus, what am I going to do next? Um, <laughs> the, the demons, the bastard men are approaching. They get into a hiding place behind a bush. And it starts to snow! It's a Christmas miracle in Australia, despite all the bushfires and smouldering koala bears. Yes, yes. And <laughs> Father Christmas and Prancer detach, attached to the sleigh again. They're all attached. And the, the bastard men come around the corner and Santa gets out his big fat minigun and he shoots them all in the head and they die. And then he takes all of the components of the cars and they make a super uh, s- cyberpunky, <coughs> post apocalyptic Steph sleigh machine with Santa in a gimp outfit tied to the front, playing a guitar, <laughs> wobbling backwards and forwards. And they zoom off into the desert, killing everyone mercilessly, killing all of the, the remaining bastard men. And then you're naughty. Yes, you're naughty. <laughs> <coughs> and then what's his Nicholas Holt comes along and says, "Merry Christmas! What a lovely day!" And they all celebrate. They drink 
milk, and um, that's it. That's the end of the film. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's not as smart as yours. I'll I'll, I'll agree that it's not exactly as... No, but you made up for the intelligence with volume. Mm. That's how I do it. That's what you do. If you don't, if you don't have any anything to add to a conversation, you just scream. Yeah. Uh, I like it. That's really nice. Yeah. Okay. What a lovely Christmas day. What a lovely Christmas day. Mediocre. <coughs> Jesus. Well, Adam. Well, Rob. It is time. It is time for judgments to be passed. Once and for all. Mm, the final decision to be made. The discussion for the ages. Home Alone 1. Or Home Alone 2. Lost in New York. Mmm. So, yeah. So, a bit of context. Rob has defended this to the death. When people ask what's his favourite Christmas film, he responds Home Alone 2. 2. And people go, what? Home Alone 1 isn't even in the top 5 for me. Really? 100%. Would you choose Home Alone 2 as... Would you get rid of Home Alone 1 in the universe? Yeah. I would have Home Alone 2 eat Home Alone 1. <laughs> okay. And I will press more into this later because Home Alone 1 has the original ideas. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But like Home Alone 2 has evolved. Yes. Much how a Charmeleon, which is a land beast, evolves into a Charizard, which can fly. With little tiny wings. Big, big wings. Little tiny wings. There's, ch- there's big Charizard <laughs> wings. Anyway. Okay, yeah. so, okay, this is 1990. Uh, directed by Chris Columbus, written by John Hughes, offer the Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, so game. it's a school of uh, very successful 80s movies. 16 Candles, coming Breakfast of, Club. Specifically coming of age 80s yeah. films. Teenagers who find themselves. Yes, yes, yes. And I had enough of that, and they thought, you know what, we're going to write a film about a kid who gets left home alone. Yeah. Yes. Is it still a coming of age film? Mm, I think the theme is more about family, isn't it? Yeah. It's coming of age to a point, but yes, it, it's more about... It's also got that... Um, that really... Sta- what's the word? That really sort of cliche thing of be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. And, I mean, both films have a theme of uh, the young teaching the old about not being too silly with and stubborn and... Learning to let love back into your life. Oh, yeah. Pigeon lady, shovel man, so forth. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. So, 1990, Home Alone. What happens? Uh, so, they're going to go to Paris, the, the McAllister family, along with their uncle's family. Mm. So, there's not all 13 kids or however the hell many there are. Yes, this, this confused me because my memory was that it was just a family full of Very children. Very horny mother and father. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, there's uh, the uncle and... The most asshole uncle that's ever lived. What's his name again? Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank. And um, then you've got Catherine O'Hara's character and um, her husband. And then all of their kids collectively yes. are going to Paris. Um, a weird boy turns up. 
There's a panic. They wake up late. They overslept. They're panicking, panicking to get in. And whilst they're doing a head count, some weird kid comes across the road to say hello and accidentally gets counted. Yes. So they all hop in the car. They get on the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And much to Kate's horror, she realises that she's left little Kevin at home, not only by himself, but after he's had a horrible little argument because Buzz, Biff, Butch, any of those three... <laughs> yeah. Buffy, Buffy, Buffy? It's Buzz. Buzz. But, but you're absolutely right in the Biff comparison. Yeah. So. so Buzz... Uh, just after Buzz has billeted him, brother bully man. Yeah, yes. he's made to feel like um, the idiot of the family once again. He's he's obviously the bullied one, the bullied one. Everyone in this family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life, and I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen. I hope I never see any jerks again. He's left home alone. His wish comes true. Oh, my God. He's left to his own devices. Yes. Meanwhile, the neighborhood's been cased by a pair of naughty fellas. The wet bandits. Uh, Harry and Merv. Played, so Harry's played by the legendary Joe Pesci, and um, we've got Daniel um, Stern. Daniel Stern as Marv, yeah, who has been in a couple of things, but I mean, let's be honest, he's iconic for this role. Yes, indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also looking like Josh. Yeah, also looking like also, Josh. Yeah, our friend Josh. Yes, yeah. Uh, so they've cased the neighbourhood. They're aware of who's in and who's out, and the automatic lights and things. Mm. But the the real glint in harry's eye is the McAllister house yeah because let's be honest this house is enormous in this neck of the woods of england that house is a two million pound house it's a castle yeah it's it's stupidly big and it's full of as he puts it vcrs and televisions yeah Wonderful. okay yeah so they're very aware of it and they they're monitoring the area Ooh. Mm. and Kevin kind of cracks onto it, so he kind of manages to fool them. Bizarrely enough, his house is a house of mannequins. Yes. Yes, it is. So for whatever Kate McAllister's job is, it involves mannequins. I can only assume that one or both of them make dresses or something. Yeah, they're fashion designers of some sort. So there's a point where using the blinds and shadows and lighting, he'd be a great filmmaker. He rigs a system to make it look like there's a big party going on and there's loads of people there. And it shoes off the wet bandits, but then they come back again. What was for... What? He's also... There's a moment when he's watching that film. Angels with Filthy Angels Souls. Angels with Filthy Souls. That was first, wasn't it? And that was for the benefit of the pizza boy. But then he uses it again on Merv. Oh, yeah. So... Kevin likes watching old films, as all children do in John Hughes films. Yeah. He watches this black and white, ridiculous gangster movie, which involves a Tommy gun. Yeah. Uh, he's watching it in the in the kitchen, on his own, having fun, doing whatever. Uh, and he uses it to... to uh, he uses it to get a free pizza off a pizza delivery boy. And he gives him the money. But he does give them the money. So he just tortures the pizza boy. <laughs> yeah. 
He just does it for no reason. That's a horrible child. Yeah. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Cheapskate. Hey, I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. One, two, ten. But, the- <laughs> but then, yeah, then he uses it back again for when Merv turns up and tries to get him. There's, and then there's a thing with, um, see, this is what the problem is with Home Alone 1. Um, it takes ages. It kicks off from the moment he has a, there's a man with a shovel who's terrifying. Buzz tells, it to, tells him earlier in the film, this shovel dude killed his entire family and buried them with the shovel. Yes. Right. And then he keeps running into him and running away from him. And eventually they meet in the church. Just when Kevin's at his lowest, he's feeling his most vulnerable and alone. He sits with the old man and the old man. And this is after he's rigged the house, ready for the wet bandits to come, I believe. Yeah. It's a bit. I mean, what you've done there is exactly what I've done in my head, which is skip to the good bit. Yeah. Because before then, there's literally 45 minutes of nothing. Yeah, absolutely. There's a bit in a shop. He has to run away from the police in a shop. What it seems, what kind of happens is, this is where the coming of age thing comes in. Kevin's left alone, so he immediately starts acting like man of the house. Yeah. He goes shopping, he buys laundry detergent. Yeah. All this weird stuff. Because apparently he's got loads of cash as well. Yes. Not sure... Is this what we kind of... Is this what didn't uh, appeal to us like it would have to kids in the 90s? That idea of being left alone, that idea of having the entire house to yourself. I guess so. Mess around in your big brother's stuff. Find his gun and his naughty magazines. Yeah, true. I guess that would have been enthralling at the time. Meanwhile, to us, we're thinking, I kind of want to get to the bit where people get hurt. Yeah. <coughs> that might say more about us than the film. But yeah, there's a long period where nothing really happens. Mm. What we do is we're seeing bits of Kevin doing life things. Yeah. And then we're cutting to Kate, who seems to be the only one who cares, freaking out in Paris when she discovers that Kevin's not there. Yeah. And trying desperately to get back. She's trying to pawn off her wedding ring, her watch, give out money. Mm. She's desperate to get back. I mean, you know, check before you leave. Yeah. How do you... This happens in both films, incidentally. When they get on the plane, the parents just sit in first class and leave all the kids behind. Yeah, you do. The first thing you do is a head count. And you never check that they're okay. You would never in a million years not do a head count. And to not realise... I mean, we'll get to the second film, but to not realise in the second film that the one you lost in the first film (laughs) is the one that isn't there. And, yeah. That's the first film, the mistake that happens is an accident and it does make some sense. Yeah. So, that's the main thing of the first film. There's heart to it. Mm. There's a lot of family crisis going on. Um, Throughout the first hour of the film, Kevin's a little bit sad. There's a point when he's in his parents' bed and he looks at the picture of the family and he kisses it and he's sad and he's lonely. He's at Christmas and he's on his own. Um, Meanwhile, the mum's freaking out. She's trying to get home. She's begging people to get a seat on a plane to get back. Come on, Irene, they're boarding. Oh, this gal has offered us two first-class tickets if we go Friday. Plus a ring, a watch, a a pocket translator, $500, and the earrings. You love the earrings. She's got her own earrings, a whole shoebox full of dangly ones. No, but... I'm desperate. I'm begging you. 
from a mother to a mother, please. Oh, Ed, please. Oh, all right. There's a lot of, I don't know, passion there. Yeah. And you sort of feel for both characters. You do. You do, definitely. And then we get to the good stuff. Yeah. Literally an hour into an hour and a half film, we get to the thing we wanted to watch. Yes. Lots of uh, burns, lots of slips. A stunt that is now known in the industry as the Home Alone, um, which is when the stuntman would have to slip, kick his legs forward and land directly on his back, which is incredibly painful to witness. I think you, we made you do that before. Well, I've did it on Kent Bison. That was more of a leap. It was more of a leap. That was yeah. the same thing, though, really. Yeah. I'd like to say I've done a Home Alone. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, the stunts are good in the first one. The, i tell you what, the, there's a bit with ice. Mm. The two bits with ice, where Kevin's sprayed his ho- the hose across these steps and so they're frozen overnight, and it's just, it's just an ice rink on these steps. When they're going on them... Not only when they slip does it look really painful, but they do some really cool like physics stuff to try and get over it. Yeah. I really like that stuff. Like there's a bit where Merv's trying to get to a door and he just keeps slipping and eventually he sort of does this weird hand gestures to keep his back. Yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. That's really cool. I really like that. It's almost like there was actual ice and they just try and get over it. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Mm. I mean, some of it's horrendous, and I don't think there's a, there's a lot of it that wouldn't make it into a PG today. I don't think, like grabbing a molten hot doorknob <laughs> yeah. and getting forever scarred with an M on it. I mean, that's Indiana Jones right there. That's well, the yeah. Nazi guy. That's true. Um, yeah, but yeah, incredibly violent. Very fun. Like twenty five minutes before you know, Mummy gets back and they're all reunited. Mm. However, it doesn't hold a candle to what happens to the Sticky Bandits yeah. in Home Alone 2. Well, we shall cover that shortly. I just want to say, though, that Home Alone 1 feels very slow up until the end. It is full of heart and soul, but it kind of... Watching it now, I was trying to board. Yeah. Without the nostalgia element. I, eh. Yeah, I think it's boring. And you know what? I found it painful to watch the amount of fast-forward... There's all these clips when they're getting ready, right at the beginning, when the whole family's getting ready, they keep fast-forwarding it. I agree, yeah. And I hate that so much. That really grated on me. I'm pretty sure they would have hated me. I would have hated that as a kid as well. It's annoying. It's not funny. I think... I I mean, it's a classic for a reason. And I would say the reason it doesn't appeal to us is that it's just not for us, I think. But so many people love it. I guess so. But then, and I suppose I'm talking about nostalgia, but I did watch it as a kid. Mm. I just never watched it and cared. Yeah. You know, it never. I don't think it really appealed to me as a kid either. Didn't have any monsters in it, though, did it? No. Also, Kevin... Mm. Oh, this, is, this comes up in the second one again. Kevin is such a little git. Why? He's so infuriatingly smug. What? I hate him. But that's funny. It's not. He's a little geek. He gets his pizza and, you know, he's smug about it. It's just... I think partly it's because they're so rich and privileged that mm. it drive. It just... There's something about it... Right. Grabbed my heart and squeezed. And you... Ugh. I kind of... When you're watching a sad film about a mother freaking out that she's lost her child, yeah. and I'm going, Good, actually. 
Stupid. <coughs> Maybe you shouldn't have been in first class. Mm. Uh. Yeah. Here we are. Here he is. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Hellblade but 2 it comes up again in the second one, was announced at the Game Awards. And holy moly, I've never been so in love with a video game trailer in all my life. That music, the detail in the rocks. Did you see Senua's teeth? Because of this trailer, this is the most excited I've been for a new console since, well, probably the PS2. It's made me a little obsessed with the band Heilung as well, the band whose song was used in the trailer. So what exactly is Hellblade anyway, and why is everyone so excited about it? Well, Hellblade 2 Senua's Saga is the sequel to Ninja Theory's 2017 release Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Originally released as a console exclusive to the PS4, the game soon came to Xbox a year later, and Microsoft quite swiftly announced that they had then snapped up Ninja Theory in their 2018 announcement of acquired game studios. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice is definitely one of my most enjoyed games of this console generation. It's a relatively short stroll through the mind of a picked warrior suffering from psychosis. From start to finish, you struggle to know what is real and what is a creation of Senua's mind. This is a love story essentially, as Senua makes her way through hell to find her love. You are repeatedly attacked by various horrific monsters and haunting memories from her past as her story unfolds. This is also a game that absolutely must be played with headphones. The deservedly award-winning sound designers repeatedly barrage you with the voices in Senua's head, either giving you advice on how to complete puzzles, or giving you misdirections on which way to go and how to win fights. The question of whether to trust them or ignore them is a constant battle. One particular level has you in pitch black trying to avoid an unseen hunter. The voices are all you have to guide you and that in itself is terrifying. The story and sound design however are not the only areas this game excels at. The slow and thoughtful combat with its careful movements yet powerful strikes are a perfect fit for the considerate yet powerful storytelling. The puzzles are relatively simple, sort of reminding me of some of the basic tomb puzzles from the first of the current trilogy of Tomb Raider games, but occasionally you'll get horrifically stuck on one and the likelihood is that you'll kick yourself hard in the knackers when you realise just how simple it was. For the collectible nut, there are lore stones dotted around each level, which treat you to the occasional short story from Norse mythology, giving the collectibles meaning instead of just ticking a 21st century game requirement. And for those interested in exceptional graphics, well, this game does not disappoint, easily one of the finest examples of motion capture. It is no wonder the next game looks so flipping good. I mean, for Christ's sake, did you see her teeth in that trailer? I could go on about Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice for hours, it is such a good game. Very few games capture me enough to play them through twice. But with Hellblade, I've done exactly that, first when it came out on PS4, and then again when it came onto Game Pass on the Xbox. If you haven't already, please go and play this game. It really is something unique and special. Good God, why are you still here? Go and play it now. Or just go and watch the new trailer for the second one, which um, I'm just going to go and watch it again now. Yeah. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Yes, the good stuff, yes. Right, so, this is a film you prefer. A hundred million percent. Okay, so... Let's go through the plot briefly. It's the same as Home Alone 1. The first... Uh, Alright. Remember when I said to you, when he got on the plane, and I said, now it's Home Alone 2. Yes. So yes, the, yes, it, yes, is, yes. it is exactly the same as Home Alone 1, but the first half an hour is exactly the same as Home Alone 1. It, I mean, honestly, it, it was shocking. And they even say, 
It's happened again. Yeah. Uh. It re- yeah. I mean, it's... they have they're running running around the building and oh no, we slept. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. I uh, and there's a moment when uh, uh, uh Peter, oh. Kevin's dad, he's so such a crap character. Yeah. I don't remember his name. Um, we just watched them. He unplugs something, which unplugs the alarm clock, and it resets the battery it. charger or something. Yeah. Uh, that's so. Dumb. I remember being in the nineties. Remembering to check that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such an obvious thing. It's it's technology whose lifeblood is from that plug. <laughs> I know. How yeah. do you think that that's not going to screw it up? And did they not check the time at any? The first one was a power cut. Yeah. Which is way more excuse for. Than him going, oh, what do I just plug it out, plug it out again? Um, so yeah, so we introduced again to Kevin. This time he's got a audio recorder mixer thing. Yeah. Oh, immediately introduced to that. Big old Chekhov's gunnery. Absolutely. Uh, we see Buzz being a git again. Yeah. So there's the one bit. There's one area that you're not. We haven't been to in the first film, which is the little the church hall. Oh, they're burning a church. They're in a different. They're in a school singing choir thing. Buzz humiliates Kevin in front of his family, his the entire school, and then they come back and. Yes. Can we just explain? Right. Okay. So the scene is that Kevin's whole school are doing Christmas carols to yeah. all the families. Yeah. During Kevin's solo, what a little git privilege git. Yes. During his solo, that's not that impressive. <laughs> Buzz is doing things behind him. He's, he's, holding, he's mocking him, humiliating he's him. He's holding him like candles behind his ears. Yeah. And all the parents laugh. What the horrible town is this? Why is that funny? So funny. Look at the bigger child humiliating the small <laughs> the, one. The forty-year-old man who's just putting a candle behind his yeah. head. I mean, it was a bit like. And then Uncle Fra- right. Uncle Frank's like that was hilarious though. Was it Uncle Frank? So Uncle Frank in the first film is a bit tight mm. and a bit awkward and a bit grumpy. In this film, he's an out-and-out villain. Oh, God, he's a terrible. horrible monster of a man. And uh, what does he say? The weird line he says was, "Oh, yeah." Kevin says this. Uncle Frank told me not to come and look at him in the shower. Otherwise, I'll spend the rest of my life wondering what it is to be a real man. <laughs> or something along those lines. That's almost word for word, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> you don't want to see my massive dong, Kevin. <laughs> to a nine, ten-year-old boy. Yeah. Wow! Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good heavens. Um, and he's I- not paying for stuff. He's not paying for taxis for the rest of all of it. And then the, the McAllister side of the family are always fine with it. He's never called out on it. His disgusting well, behaviour. how disgustingly dirty so rich, rich they are. Uncle Frank is fine to always behave like this. Yeah. Anyway. So, this time around, they're going to Miami. Yeah, for Christmas. For cri- why? Yeah. As Kevin asked, why? Yeah. Good question, Kevin. Good question. Um, they want to go to Miami. They're going to get a plane again. They do the thing. They move on the time. They move- But this time, Kevin's with them. They're in the airport and they're running to the thing. And Kevin stops running behind them. Because he has to change the batteries on his recorder. It's essential, Adam. There's no way he can take another step unless he's changed the batteries on his damn recorder. Alright? Why? It's important. How is he meant to run if his batteries aren't working on his recorder? Do it later. Was was he meant to record? (coughs) God damn. So this is the... 
John Hughes thing as well. John Hughes has a weird obsession with kids and technology, mm. which might be quite accurate. But um, Ferris Bueller, Ferris has a keyboard that he records things on and plays them back over the phone. Right. That happens in this as well. Yeah, weird thing. But I don't know. I just felt a bit forced. Yeah. So anyway, he stops running. Family run off in one direction towards the plane. He starts following a guy who looks suspiciously like his dad. Yeah. Who goes the other way. Right. He's got the same scarf. He's got the same jacket. He's got the same jumper. Yes. So the, the, same fa- jeans. the family being in a rush, board the plane. Yep. Immediately. Yep. They don't count. They don't check. Right. Uh, Kevin runs the other way onto another plane where he manages to board because he knocks the boarding passes onto the floor. Yeah. This is pre-9-11, we know. But all the same, security was pretty damn lax in that airport that day. But unbelievable. And this is a child on its own. Yeah, yeah, unaccompanied minor. But we're nitpicking and we're killing it because what happens next is Kevin gets to New York. Gets to the taxi. It's New York. It's the most Christmassy city on earth. Oh, what's he going to do? He's going to black his way into the Plaza Hotel. Woo! Tim Curry's there! <coughs> Sorry. And all of a sudden, Home Alone 2 is truly born. Yeah. Glorious. Okay, so Kevin's lost in New York. He's wandering about, having a laugh. Yeah, de- deceiving the hotel, getting his cheese pizza and his limo rides. Right. Getting so, his wonderful room and his sweets. This time round, they explain the money. He's got his dad's bag with him, right. with the wallet, with the credit card, with the cash. An obnoxious amount of cash, may I add. Yes. Horrible. So he manages to black, way, his, black his way into the Plaza Hotel with credit card fraud. Yep. And then he proceeds to eat ice cream. Yes. Lots and lots of ice cream. This doesn't feel right to me why it feels like what someone would assume a child would want to do but it's just but it's fine adam don't need nick nitty picky it's the it's he's in new york he's getting all of the favorite kids things he can watch all the scary gang movies he wants there's loads of them in this hotel yes i guess true so in the hotel is tim curry yes the best character in the franchise as far as i'm concerned uh he is a creepy man who doesn't like the look of Kevin. Yes. Basically. At one point he tries to break into the room to work out what's going on. Yeah. And Kevin utilises his mannequin technique from the first film with a giant inflatable snowman in the shower using the audio he took from Uncle Frank. Yeah. You get out of here, you little pervert, or I'll slap you silly. Yeah. Okay, fine. So Tim's embarrassed. Mm. Good old Tim. Friend of mine. And so they give the bloody child a limo and a cheese pizza and you open it and it's a big cloud of vape comes out of the cheese yeah, pizza yeah, yeah. As, as we said it was something like an effect we would have made mm. um, so he gets in a limo and then he does the first thing that I think a kid would do in New York goes to the toy store goes to the toy shop yay yes. Mr. Duncan's toy shop Duncan's toy store yeah it's all this beautiful massive giant toys that all look a bit rubbish there's not a transformer to be seen no but it's nice it's traditional it's a place of wonder and it so happens that this is a mr duncan the guy who owns it is a a charity man he wants to give all his money to the local children's hospital great lovely 
Uh, and Kevin makes friends with him. Mm. This nice man. The only man, incidentally, who's not a creepy perv man. Yes. No, Every adult in this film is it's, weird it's and weird. creepy. Irresponsible, weird, or dumb. Yeah. But he gives him two turtle doves, which we, 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 which is a wonderful Christmas message. You give one, you disconnect the turtle doves and you give another one to a loved one. And it means you'll always remember each other. Yes. Lovely. And then they go to, then he goes to Central Park. And here's where he has a... No, he walks out of the toy shop. Mmm, and runs into... Some old friends. The sticky... Well, the wet bandits who are now the sticky bandits. The wet bandits who are now the sticky bandits. Yes, so they bump into Harry and Marv. Hmm. Um, who have just broken out of prison. Yeah. And so he screams and he runs and they follow him. They chase him to Central Park. So this is another wonderful thing about this movie. New York being so Christmassy, we've already been in a short space of time... We went through the streets. We saw the crazy giant walking Santa, which terrified you. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Slender Claws. Slender Claws. Um, <laughs> we've been to this amazing, wonderful, massive hotel. We've been to a toy store. And now we're going back in the streets. We're going to Central Park, which is very Christmassy. There's horses. And there's... A- oh, I didn't even forget the amazingly hilarious scene before this. Because we meet Harry and Marv again before this. Mm. And they're at an ice rink. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, okay. Harry and Marv, in the first film, are just dumb villains. But they're still criminals, and they still have that sort of sense of suspicious and mystery about them. In this film, they're just unnecessarily evil. That's Straight brilliant. off. They're in an ice rink, for some reason. Marv's just sliding about. Harry, which is weird, because surely he would hate ice after the first film. Anyway. Yeah. Harry's just waiting at the side and just starts attacking pigeons in one of the best sequences. <coughs> Joe Pesci attacking pigeons is my favourite thing. Stand up! Marv rolls up and every time a child or a girl or anyone rolls past steals their gloves steals their earmuffs <laughs> just, steals their scarf it's about how cold he is so he just yunks me. and no one cares no one no, notices. No one notices I love it it's, it's like cartoon brilliant. villains yeah that, and cartoon's a good word I think because the film is a cartoon it is it's much more ridiculous it's everything's amped up um, at this point there's so much that's happened already mm. oh instantly uh, McAllister's parents have noticed that he's missing. Blah, 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 but this blah. time, don't care. No. Because they're idiots. No, because they're idiots. They deserve what they get. No matter what she says, she's a bad mother. Yeah, at this point, as you said in the, in the screening, Kate is being framed as a nice character who cares. She doesn't care. No. She's ignorant and dumb. and They put in a line, oh, the way I'm feeling right now, like any other mother, no mugger or murderer in the whole of this city will ever be able to stop me. And I think the reaction you're meant to have is... Go, mums. Yeah, you're a good mum. You're fighting the mum fight. But the reality is, you left your son at home. Yeah, worst mum. You got mom. on a flight without your son. Yes. Horrible, horrible woman. So, this is where, after this point, I start to lose interest a bit. Because a lot happens. Mm. We have, a, we have a, a heist into a hotel. We have the hotel staff trying to work out what's going on. That trying one... to confront Kevin when they finally discover the fraud. Yeah. 
I mean, the the Angels with even filthier souls scene is now immortal. Oh. <laughs> it's on every Christmas jumper you see. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Well, that's in both, though, isn't it? No, it's not. What's in the first film? He says, keep the change, you filthy animal. Ah, uh, okay. Second one. Merry, Christ- Merry yeah. Christmas, you filthy animal. And a Happy New Year. Uh, that, the, the Angels, what's the film title? A- Angels with even filthier souls. Okay. <laughs> is the, yeah. That film is wonderful. And we need to somehow make it. What we see of it is so ridiculous. I mm. absolutely love it. You was here, and you were smooching with my brother. That's a dirty lie, Johnny. Don't give me that. You've been smooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, little Mo with the gimpy leg, Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff. I could go on forever, baby. You got me all wrong. All right. I believe you. But my Tommy gun don't... Johnny... You're the only duck in my pond. Get down on your knees and tell me you love me. Baby, I'm over the moon for you. You gotta do better than that. But a lot's happened here and you think, okay, this is all ramped up. But then nothing happens. No. The film's two hours long rather than an hour and a half from the first film. And I would say half an hour, 45 minutes in the middle, nothing happens. It's a bit hazy. He gets lost. There's hookers and crackheads. Yeah, he, um, I mean, there's the pigeon lady. And then the pigeon lady. He spends a lot of time with the pigeon lady. Yeah. But this is where it becomes really obvious again. The intro is exactly the same as the first film. But then you, the same beats are happening. Yeah. He meets a weirdo. Yeah. They go to an old place. They have a chat. Kevin teaches them something that they should have already known yeah. about love or blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Don't outgrow your heart like I outgrew my roller skates because then you'll never be able to use it. Uh, shut up, mm. little git. Then about an hour in, about hour and ten in, the film starts over again. Yeah. When we see some more Wet Bandit stuff. This time Kevin used... The home in the home alone, I guess, is actually his uncle's house? Yeah. His other uncle's house, who lives in New York. Uncle being, Rob. Which is being renovated. Mm. So no one's home. Um, and it's got holes in the floor and weird things going on. And? And? and kerosene yeah yeah this is a very odd construction site yes the thing that makes things burn (laughs) blow up (coughs) we have that in abundance that's what we use to build things yeah absolutely so they just have it's full of weird weird stuff so kevin has the plan he's gonna stop the baddies ruining christmas for children Hmm. because the Sticky Bandits have told him, bizarrely, um, they're going to rob Mr. Duncan's toy store. Yeah. At midnight on Christmas Eve. Yes. And take all the charity money. So he gets a snapper. He takes a picture of him with one of those wonderful uh, Polaroid cameras. Yep. That's it. He waits for them and they, as they are stealing the money, snap. Yeah. And then smashes the window of a brick. Yep. And that's where the fun begins. Yeah. So they chase him. He lays traps as he goes and chases him into the house. The House of Terror. Yes, where the stunts go absolutely mental. There's falling through floors. There's slipping on things. There's nail guns to the dick. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. a really weird physics moment where Marv slips on some paint and then slings forward across the room <laughs> as if being carried by a poltergeist. It, even the sound effects are cartoons. Yeah. Bong, bong. Yeah. Oh, All that stuff. The tool cabinet going down the stairs. It's like, oh, so good. <laughs> and they are too dumb to live as yeah. well. 
So in the first film, they're like, just what's going on? This film, they're standing at doors, listening to things clearly coming down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just getting more and more tortured. I mean, in real life, they'd be dead. Mm. Almost from the first scene. I'll tell you when uh, Marv would be dead. From the moment he has a brick flown thrown at him from 100 feet up. <laughs> yeah. Direct it! How many fingers am I holding up, Marv? Jesus Christ. And if he didn't die the first time, the second, third, and fourth time would have finished him yeah. off. You want to throw bricks? Go ahead, throw another one. If you can't do any better than that, kid, you're going to lose. You got any more? That, I mean, I'm going to talk about a Home Alone reboot later in Schmort Night, but having a brick come at you from that, this, this it just doesn't make it into a kid's film today, I don't no, think. No, 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 no. no Absolutely no, no. no Certainly chance. not the prostitutes. <laughs> no, not the prostitutes. Um, yeah, so after the fun, it then slows down again. There's like 20 minutes at the end where nothing really happens apart from Kevin going to the pigeon lady and giving her a dove. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's the room service bill. Um, well, the family, they, the Duncan gives donates loads of presents to the family, to the already loaded family. Yeah, massively rich family. Yes, Massive, free, sweet. Yeah, free entire toy stores worth of, of presents. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a children's hospital in the city that we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So it ends, the family will reunite and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What's the final shot of the, the film? final shot is Kevin looking shocked because um, you hear, Kevin, did you spend $957 uh, on room service? Ugh! And then he runs off. By the way, he's outside alone again. Yeah. <laughs> that was really home alone free. Um, yeah, so... It's a Christmas film. It's a New York-based Christmas film. It's very popular. As you say, it's reached its way into pop culture with Merry Christmas, You Feel for the Animal. Is it better than the first? You know my answer. Do you have a one-sentence summary why you think it's better? Home Alone 2 is better than Home Alone 1 because it's funnier and better and better. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Let me think. Good argument. Let me think about. It. It's it's funnier. It's more exciting. It has more to look at. It has a better use of space, and the stunts are more impressive. It's more juiced up. It's taken a, a film that arguably for some for us is quite boring, and given it the juice it needs to be truly entertaining. I think. And that's how I just Okay. It. Interesting. I think having watched them both within a week, I do prefer Home Alone Two. Yes. If I were to rewatch them, I'd rewatch Home Alone Two. Because there's more that have even though the middle is weak, hmm. it sags in the middle. It sags at the end and it sags at the beginning. But it's got these two peaks. Right. 
which work really well and they're really funny and yeah, I love it. I think actually, because the first film has all the heart and soul and family and love and the actual Christmas message is in the first film. The second film is just fun and mm. ridiculous. I think the two should be merged. They should be smashed together into a big pulp. I agree. If they had the... If they didn't have the fact it was a sequel, mm. instantly, it might, I do prefer it as a film, but it's a bad sequel because it just does the first film again. Right. That's a bad sequel. It should expand beyond that, but yeah. it doesn't really. It just does the same film again, but bigger. Mm. Although you could argue Evil Dead 2 does that as well, but anyway. Um, the heart and soul is in the first film. The theme of Christmas and loneliness and being together is in the first film. The second film... I didn't care about the family. I didn't really care about Kevin. Did you care about the pigeon lady? No. Right. I cared about Tim Curry right. trying to save his hotel from fraud. Huh? Also, Tim Curry's just awesome anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, th- that's my feeling. It's th- As a duo, it kind of works, but it, mm, I think they should be mashed. So just to reiterate, Home Alone 2 is better than Home Alone 1. It's more fun. It's just to, Yeah, but it's better. It's more fun. I would but, rewatch but the, the, two. the question. The question <laughs> is: Home Alone two better than Home Alone one? The question, when you put it like that, is: Is it really a it's topic be- of being better? It's definitely better. Is the question you're asking actually the is question, what is... Adam? The question all along was: Which one is better? But I think what you're actually asking is: Which do I agree with on a principle or theme? Adam, so which <laughs> film is better, Home Alone two? Let, let me finish. All right, Ho- Home Alone's what you actually what the question you're asking is which how is the best film story told, and it's by merging the two films. I agree, a hundred percent. I agree with your theory. Okay. I would love to see those those two films merge. However, <laughs> which film? Is better. Which film's better? Is Casablanca. That's a better film. Uh, also, Citizen Kane. Obviously, Casablanca is Citizen Kane. Um, out of Home Alone One and Home Alone Two, yeah. Which film is the best? Uh, it's Wonderful Life. They watch that in both the no, films in the Spanish. If you could only choose, we're not going to go anywhere. You're being silly. You're being silly buggins, and you're letting our fans down because the fans have been waiting for a definitive answer. I think you've already said it. I think we can all. I think we can all agree. Home Alone Two is the victor. I think I prefer Home Alone Two. Cool, that'll do for me. <laughs> <coughs> now he dies. All right. Merry Christmas from Screen Bucket. Beep boop. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnight. Taika Waititi's live action adaption of live action adaption. That's live a action wonderful adaption. collection of words. <laughs> Taika Waititi's live action adaption of Akira has been dropped from Warner Brothers' release calendar indefinitely. Waititi was first tapped to direct the adaption of the cult manga in 2017, just before 4 Ragnarok tore everyone a new butthole. Akira (laughs) remained in early development for a while, but fans were disappointed again this year as they heard that Waititi has committed to the upcoming 4 Love and Thunder. And now it looks like we're getting zero Akira. Uh, yep. 
Great. Fine. Happy. Absolutely fine. Much prefer more four. More Taika Waititi. Yeah, Taika Waititi, he would do a great job, but yeah, sod it. Akira still exists. It's fine. Yeah, it's there. It's good. It's Go. a cultural milestone. Go watch the film. It's very good. Do some new stuff. Yeah, yeah, we don't need it. We don't need to read We don't need to remake it. That. Matrix 4. What? The Matrix 4 has got what? a release date. That's right, folks. It's time to brush off those sexy leather dusters once more. Now, I know you're not fit. Oh, here's a funny thing. Yes. I wrote this article about Matrix 4, and I didn't even write the date. <laughs> so. Oh, no. So that's good. That's professional. We're really hitting it hard on the old independent uh, wavelength. I think it was May the 21st, 2021. I just want to say. If that's right. May 21st, 2021. Is that for. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Okay. Nice. Such a good memory. Cool. That's when it's coming out, guys. That's the end of that story. I... Uh, this I'm not on board with. I'm happier that they were always going to come back and bugger it, right? I'm happy that it wasn't a uh, reboot. I'm happy... I would much prefer a sequel to a reboot. I don't want a reboot. It's definitely not a reboot. It's definitely not a reboot. Okay. It's definitely right. not a reboot. Okay. It's a sequel. It is The Matrix 4. Mm. This, I don't see the point in in any way shape or form whatsoever and I'm, I'm not sure it'll even come to pass but Quentin Tarantino has said that Kill Bill 3 could still be on the car no for god's sake some 16 years after the original film was released Mr Tarantino has revealed that a third samurai slashing spectacle could become a reality but not for three years now that is a story that is bloody well told that's absolutely ridiculous there are films that you can um and ah about whether there should be sequels or not also he's only got a limited Bill's heart exploded sorry Bill's heart exploded but he but he's only doing like two more films I know why would he waste time does he count does he not count that oh for god's sake does he count Kill Bill as one film I wonder and David Carradine's dead (laughs) that's quite a significant thing uh, uh, not on board. Not on board. No. Do you know what I would like to see him do? What? Inglorious Bastards 2. Nice. Escape from Germany. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've got Brad Pitt and um, what's his face from The Office? Um, are the only two ones Dwight. alive? Not Dwight. Ryan. <laughs> oh, Ryan yeah, from yeah, The Office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are the only two people left alive after the events of Inglorious Bastards. Or they got captured on the way out or yeah. something. And no, Inglorious Bastards. Japan. Yes, oh my god. They have to dress up as samurai. and um, The Axis. Yes. Inglourious, there we go, here's the title. Inglourious Bastards, Axis. Axis. Of Bastard. Yes, nice. Quentin, you're welcome. Yep. Hire us. 10%. Yep. On the subject of Home Alone, I talked about this earlier, briefly, mm. Disney Plus have announced that they are rebooting it. Yes, that's right. Despite how much love the world has for the beloved franchise, Disney is opting out of releasing it on the big screen, choosing instead to bring it to us on their dumb streaming site. <laughs> Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney will star. Now, I do not mean to mock Disney's dumb streaming site because The Mandalorian's on there and it is fantastic. Have you seen it? I have. Uh, oh, how, how have I seen it? Have you seen it? Illegally! Can I say that? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, no, I saw it on the naughty, and and I don't care. 
because it's Disney and they've got twelve billion dollars this year, so they can shove it. Um, yes, I mean I'm really desperate to see Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah. Mandalorian. But you don't need to give Disney more money, do you? No, I don't want to give anyway. But Baby Yoda. <laughs> Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Floating in a pod. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just wait till he grows up and meets seagulls. I don't like that they're putting it on their stupid streaming site. Why? Why not have a Christmas cinema release? Uh, because no one's going to watch it. I think a lot of people watch it. The thing it. is, Disney Plus, it's the same thing as Netflix, although Netflix got better. They're just going to put any old dross out because they don't have to worry about marketing, they don't no. have to worry about cinema release. That's true. They're but just they going to churn stuff out. You know how um, we're talking about nostalgia, how nostalgic people get at Christmas? Uh-huh. If you, I guarantee you, if you had a big Home Alone reboot at Christmas time, millions and millions and millions of people for sure would go and watch it. It would fill up cinemas. It would be number one everywhere, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. It would be. If you had it boosted to the hype, if you no, got but two you... actors, if you got, for example, if you got bloody Ryan Reynolds and Jack Black. Just, I mean, Ryan Reynolds, that's a good show. pulling something out of my head, <laughs> those two, as the, as the bandits. But Home Alone is a ruined franchise. Yeah, but there was another film. What was the other film that was ruined? There's loads of films that have ruined. Well, it's not. Yeah, to be fair, it's not stopping them making Robocop. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah, loads of films have gone back. That's true. And Halloween, you could argue as well. Eh, uh, yeah, I guess. But yeah, you're right. Someone like Ryan Reynolds, that would yeah. elevate it, wouldn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, loads of people. Uh, I want to see. And I thought this while watching uh, Homeland Two. I want to see. It's impossible, but a bottom style. Saw film. Mm. Yes, uh, yes, you weird person. Well, because that's what it is. If it was a slapstick, if it was Saw, but it was a bunch, two guys falling over and going, bunk! Yeah. You know, that'd be amazing. Brilliant. And that, and it frustrates the serial killer because they can't kill him. No, so you just keep really hurting them. <laughs> yeah. And they just get more and more. Oh, no, you die! <laughs> I think that'd be brilliant. But guess that, guess how... <coughs> Guesthouse Paradiso Guest meets house Saw. Jigsaw. <laughs> anyway. All right, is that it? That's the schmortz. Nice. Is, yeah. Adam's Film Reviews. Six Underground, 2019. There's this trick that we all do to get through our day. Go, 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 go! <sighs> we take a box... And into that box, we place all the horrors of the world. We close the box and pretend it doesn't exist. Only some of us, we've lost our ability to pretend. We've been looking for a special operator like you for a while. Who are you? We do the dirty work others can't. Here's the fun part. Now on... You're dead. It's all erased. No more criminal records. No more getting arrested just for being naked or just usual stuff, you know, being naked, getting drunk, casual stuff. So we're all gonna die. We blend in to disappear. Watch me! This is gonna work. 
hope so. Directed by Michael Bay, Sits Underground is an action thriller that's just exploded its way onto Netflix. Starring Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, and a bunch of other people, Sits Underground is predictably an explosion-laden action-adventure film crammed to have loud music, spinny, turny shots, dumb humour, and an awful lot of cars seemingly made out of fireworks. The weird thing is, I kind of loved it. The title, Sits Underground, refers to its main cast. Known as Ghosts, each member of the team is referred to only by number. Ryan Reynolds, playing a sarcastic American billionaire, is number one, with a CIA spook going by number two, a hitman as number three, a parkour runner and thief as number four, five is a doctor, and six is a pro getaway driver. Later on, we meet Seven, who's a former American Army sniper. Each member of the team has, in some way, faked their death to live off the grid as a ghost. As we discover through a series of confusing and sudden flashbacks, each one was picked up by one to do one thing, to make the world a better place. Specifically, one has planned to stage a coup d'etat to overthrow a ruthless dictator in Turkestan by first killing his main generals and then installing the dictator's brother in his place. His brother, who incidentally is imprisoned in a luxurious and well-guarded apartment, in the heart of Hong Kong. Along the way, one is taught the importance of teamwork and of family, and then we see how each of the ghosts grow to support and love one another. Gross. There isn't really a whole lot more to say. Six Underground is Michael Bay through and through, and this only seems to get worse as time goes on. The opening chase sequence in Florence might be the most fun and exciting thing I've seen in a long time. In many ways, it reminded me of the FX series Archer, with sharp and quick-witted dialogue tucked in between over-the-top action, extreme violence, and some legitimately impressive stunt work. The tone doesn't last, sadly, as we soon descend into the standard Michael Bay tropes of bright lighting, frenetic editing, weird leaps in time and logic, and some really bizarre semi-casual racist humour, but they thankfully nowhere near as much as seeing the likes of the Transformers series. We do still see moments of good humour though, and the action set pieces are genuinely impressive. It would have been good to see more from the other cast, aside from Ryan Reynolds, though it is his charm and personality that's the glue that holds the rest of the film together. Had his role been cast as, oh I don't know, Mark Wahlberg? I feel like I would have had a very different opinion of Six Underground. On the whole though, there is enough here to have a good laugh and not want to tear out your eyes in disgust and confusion. Again, much like the Transformers series. Sounds fun, right? Right, Robert? Yeah? It's time for some fun and festive games. Oh, go on. I've found a Christmas festive film quiz. quiz oh, amazing. Lovely. This is from whatculture.com. All right. Uh... You're going to know the answer to this first one straight off. Okay. And so on. Question one. Play along at home. I accidentally hit an advert. Oh, Conan. Right. In Home Alone, what is the name of the gangster film Kevin watches on TV? Angels with Filthy Souls. Yeah? Angels with Dirty Faces is a real film. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to go for that, so... In Elf, the four main Elf food groups are candy, candy, canes, candy corns, and sugar, syrup, fizzy pop, and cookies. I'm going to go with sugar. I think it's cookies. Okay. I'm going to go cookies. 
in Jingle All The Way, which toy is Howard desperately searching for? I know the answer. I actually know the answer. Oh, yeah. Go on then. Turbo Man. Nice. Finish the quote. Now I have a machine gun. Yippee-ki-yay. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, Hans. Is this a trick question? Nope. I know the answer. <coughs> this is from Die Hard. Oh, man. It... Mate. Come on now. Yippee-ki-yay. Now I have a machine gun. Yippee-ki-yay. Is that what you're saying? No, well, because I, I know the yippee ki is the is the phrase. Uh, yeah. But he says yippee ki You're going to go for yippee ki All right, fine. It's wrong, isn't it? Because yeah. this is yeah. ho-ho-ho, isn't it? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> right. Muppet's Christmas Carol. What character does Gonzo play? Scrooge, Bob Cratchit, Charles Dickens, or Jacob Marley? Marley and Marley. Uh, Charles Dickens. Yes, I think so. In National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, what does Clark get a membership for instead of a bonus? The Cheese of the Month Club, Book of the Month Club, Jelly of the Month Club, or Wine of the Month Club? I watched this a very long time ago. Yeah, I've not seen this in a long time. I'm Jelly. Yeah? Yeah, but- what are you going to go for? I'll go for cheese. Alright. Uh, what is... Uh, what is the name of the teaching assistant in the worst Christmas film ever? The Nativity. The name of the teaching assistant? Mr. Maddens, yeah. Mr. Poppy, Mr. Holly, Mr. Peters. I think I know the answer. Uh, whatever. I think it's Mr. Poppy. Oh, I'm going to go for Mr. Poppy. In Love Actually, your yeah. favourite, yeah. Billy Mac defaces a poster of which boy band? Blue. And he writes on it, we're all prayer. Okay. Can we swear on this yet? No, I don't think so. Can't, alright, fine. In the, in the Snowman, mm. what gift does Father Christmas give to James? No, we've all got little P-R-I... Yeah, sorry. In the Snowman, what gift does Father Christmas give to James? Gloves. A hat. A scarf. A snowman toy. Um, I can't remember a scarf. He's got a diff here. He's got iron brew. Yeah, I was just wondering about that. <laughs> uh, I think it's. Uh, it's not a scarf. Right. Is it a scarf? I think. Mean, oh, sorry, I don't know. Uh, gloves. In the Christmas Chronicles, featuring Sylph. <laughs> yeah. What does Santa? Sexy, sexy Santa. Say happened to the last time Christmas spirit was lost. Rob Schneider, the Dark Ages, the Beatles broke up, or the First World War. Rob Schneider, not Rob Schneider. I'm gonna say the the Beatles broke up. I, that I, you know, I've seen. I don't remember that line. I think I would go for that as well. Right. Oh God, there's more. In the Santa Claus the movie. What's wrong with Patch's magic candy canes? They make children sick. They make children fly too high. They change children into donkeys. They explode when exposed to heat. Oh, God. Um, they... They change children into donkeys? Yeah, I guess. Uh, what's the name of the gremlin leader in Gremlins? Stripe, Spike, Gizmo, Slimer. Stripe. 
What's the name of the love interest in 2000's How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Cindy Lou Who, Martha May Hoover, Betty Lou Who, or Christina Hooterberry? Cindy Lou Who. Okay. Oh, how many are there? Right, in 1994's The Santa Claus, what Christmas story does Scott read to his son before bed? The Nutcracker, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, The Night Before Christmas, or A Christmas Carol? The Night Before Christmas? We're just shooting in the dark with these ones. Really. I'm going to say The Grinch, because he starts as a Grinch, doesn't he? Oh, uh, whatever. Uh, aside from 1954's White Christmas, which other film does Bing Crosby sing the title song in? Here Comes the Waves, The Bells of St. Mary's, The Road to Morocco, or Holiday Inn? Uh, <sighs> Bells of St. Mary's. Alright. What's the name of the guardian angel in It's a Wonderful Life? Michael, Bartleby, Clarence, or Castiel? Clarence. In Arthur Christmas, what has Grand Santa named his old wooden sleigh? Evie, Mary, Izzy, Holly. God knows. Holly. In 1994's Miracle on 34th Street, what store does Chris Kringle work for? Macy's. Okay. In The Holiday, what is the name of the elderly screenwriter that Iris befriends? I was going to watch this the other day, but I didn't. Archie, George, Arthur or Moyles? No idea. Mm, nah. Arthur. In the 1991 animation Father Christmas, which actor voices Father Christmas? Jim Broadbent, Mel Smith, David Jason, or Richard Wilson? David Jason? Oof. Yeah, it could be. That's a funny one, though, isn't it? Why? Christy. It just, it, just went, it just went off in my head, yeah. <laughs> you plonker! Rudolph. Mons 2, Mons 2. <laughs> Alright, fine, whatever. I reckon it's Jim Broadbent. Oh god, how many are there? There's too many. I'm, this is silliness. Just click through the rest. Just well, go. there might only be 25. Alright. In Scrooge, who's the ex-employee who tries to shoot Frank? Lou, Elliot, Bryce, Herman. Herman. Or it might be Lou. I can't remember. <laughs> I watched that the other day. In the Polar Express, the boy receives the first gift of Christmas. What is it? A rocking horse, a snow globe, a sleigh bell, a Christmas wish. I think it's a bell. Yeah. In the Nightmare Before Christmas, what does Jack Skellington name his version of Santa Claus? Santa Claus, Sandy Claus, Sandy Claus, Sandy Santa Claus. I can't remember. That was a weird one. Uh, Sandy yeah. Claus? In A Christmas Story, what is the present that Ralphie is desperate for? There's a picture of him with a gun. Oh, any of those. Yeah, whatever. Uh, in Deck the Halls, in which winter event does Steve and Buddy compete against each other? Oh, I know this one. Sledding, speed skating, snowboarding, skiing. It's, it's, it's skiing or speed, it's, it's either skiing or speed skating. I think it's speed skating, it's speed skating. Oh. I chose speed skating for that one. <laughs> right, so, Angels of Filth Cells, correct. Syrup was the answer to the elf main food groups. That's what I said, isn't it? No, you said sugar. I said syrup, didn't I? No, you said sugar. You sure? You said sugar. Let's listen to that. That'd be interesting to hear that. I think you're right. In okay. Jingle All The Way, it was indeed Turbo Man. Yeah. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. God damn. I knew that. You fool. 
Uh, yep, Charles Dickens was Gonzo. Jelly yes. of the Club, correct? Even again. Okay. What is the name of the teaching system? Mr. Poppy. Yes, yes, yes. Love actually, yet yeah, Blue. Yeah. He gets a scarf in the snowman. That's what I said. That's what I freaking said. He gives his scarf to the snowman. To the snowman. Right, I'm in the lead. I hundred. Well, we can listen to it back. Well, will we? Yeah. Apparently, the Dark Ages was caused the last time Christmas oh. was lost. Oh. Uh, oh wow. They okay. changed children. I said that as well. I said that as well. Yeah, he did say that's why it's wrong. That's the oh, answer, oh, yeah. The, oh, the yeah, candy canes explode. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> the strike was the correct. Ah, you were wrong. Uh, but you, you didn't choose a different one. I mean, it's not really a competition because... Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was a competition. I barely said anything. Oh, What's okay. the name of the love interest in <coughs> Christmas? It was actually Martha May Hoover. All right. Uh, Night Before Christmas was the story told in Santa Claus. Holiday Inn was the song that Bing Crosby sang. Clarence was indeed the guardian angel in It's Wonderful Life. After Christmas, the Santa's sleigh was called Evie, you fool. Oh no, how could I be so wrong? Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. It was Coles, not Macy's. Oh. You were so sure about I that was. as well. I was. I mean, I said Coles, so I definitely won. No, Holiday, no, no. the name of the elderly screenwriter. I said Arthur. Correct. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Mel Smith uh, was... I told you it was Mel Smith. Christy. Yeah. In Strews, the ex-employee was called Elliot. Uh, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> yes! The boy oh, received no. a sleigh bell. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Moment before Christmas, it was indeed... It was actually Sandy Claus. Sandy Claus. Whatever for that one. Yeah. Christmas story, he has a gun, whatever. Uh, so I said that. I said speed skating. I said that one, didn't I? You said didn't skiing. I? I said speed skating. I said speed skating. It was actually speed skating. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well done. We've all lost. We've all lost everything. <laughs> Merry Christmas from Scream Bucket. There we are. That was the show. That was our, the first of our festive uh, specials. We have a much more festive special coming up soon. I hope you've enjoyed our brand new sort of podcast thing yeah all original all for you um we're out on our lonesome now yes indeed uh yeah much more chat we've got some things planned in the new year yeah uh we'll be a little bit more less chatty a bit more bitty but we'll see how that formulates later on yes um for now though do follow us on twitter at screen underscore bucket uh you can follow us at hollowdale media as well if you want to follow our film bits yes um you can also follow us at www.patreon.com forward slash hollowdale media if you like what you hear please do come and join us there and any support you can give will go directly into our projects and you'll learn much more about it there as well yeah thank you so much guys much much appreciated uh, anything you want to add? Um, Are you excited for Christmas? I will be when I get better. Will you get better? I don't know at this point. <laughs> I feel really, really <laughs> And I've screamed too much in this show. And I think it's made it a lot worse. Yeah, and you just swore as well, which is... Oh, did I? Yeah. Sorry. Um, I've... Bleep you out, though. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I will be better. And so so will everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas 
Um, Merry Christmas. Do we know what film we're going to talk about next time? Um, we need to think of a Christmas film, don't we? We do. Christmas film. Should we just come back to them about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right then. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, do take care. Have a wonderful Christmas. We'll see you very shortly afterwards. Yeah. See you soon, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I see you when you're sleeping I know when you're awake I sneak into your rooms And leave a coal on some plates (laughs) Wonderful